everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent a servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray. Father, as we come once again to the words of Jesus, we have to admit that often the way Jesus talked is confusing to us. It is, it's challenging uh, to us. Sometimes we wonder why he used these stories, why he used these images that can disturb. And so these texts remind us how needy we are as we come to your word. This text reminds us how much we need your spirit to give us clarity, to give us understanding, to give us the humility to receive this message and be changed by it. Would you open our ears to hear the good news? Would you open our eyes to see your truth and would you open our hearts to receive the gift of your word this morning and be changed by it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As a senior in high school, I auditioned for acceptance into the FSU College of Music as a trumpet player. It was a very intimidating experience, as you can imagine. But I finished the audition, I packed up my stuff, and I began to walk with my parents down the hallway uh, out of the building. And as we walked, I heard a voice behind me. And we turned around, and, and the voice came from Brian Goff. And Brian Goff used to be the trumpet professor at FSU, and he walked towards us, and he shook my hand, and he said, Hey, good job, Jonathan. I want you to be a part of the trumpet studio here at Florida State University. That was a thrilling moment in my life. We all want to be wanted, don't we? We all want to be wanted. And most of us have experienced both sides of that desire. We have experienced the joy of acceptance, and we have experienced the pain of rejection. We all want to be wanted. And that desire is not a superficial need for self-esteem. 
that desire comes from how we were made. Because you see, God made us to belong to Him. And so He made us to want to belong, to want acceptance, to want to be welcomed. And so our desire for acceptance, our desire to be wanted, comes from our being made to belong to God. It comes from that deepest need. And it's interesting, one of the ways the Bible talks about that truth, one of the ways that the Bible explains and delves into that basic truth about human nature, that basic truth about how we were made, is the Bible talks about it uh, using food. I don't know if you've noticed, but meals are central to the story and message of the Bible. From the fruit in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis, to the marriage feast of the Lamb at the end of all time in the book of Revelation, the Bible says to us that we were made to sit down at a table with God. We were made to sit down at the table and feast on the life that comes from belonging to Him, from being a part of His family. And so it should not surprise us That as Jesus comes and he talks about what it means to be restored to God, he tells in Luke 14 a story about a banquet, about a meal, about a dinner party. Jesus uses this image of food to talk about what it means to belong to God. And central to his message here is... You are wanted. God is throwing a party. He has laid out a table. And He wants you there. He wants you to know the life that comes from belonging to Him. This is the point of these invitations. There are three levels of invitations that happen in this story in Luke 14. And what Jesus is doing is he is taking the call and he's going beyond those who would expect to be at this meal with God. And he is extending the invitation to all of those who will hear him. So he says to you and he says to me, God is throwing a party and you are wanted. You are invited to come and to find life in And what this message does in this parable is it creates a question for us. And the question is, how will you respond? As Jesus invites you to the table, as he invites you to the feast, how will you respond to his invitation to find life in him, to be restored, accepted by God? Two possible responses, right? No and yes. There's no maybe in the RSVP. It's no and yes. And so as we consider this parable a little bit more, I want to consider each of those responses in turn. So first of all, no. Now, 
If we even halfway understand the implications of this banquet that Jesus talks about, it seems insane to refuse this invitation, right? But that's exactly what happens in verses 18 to 20, which stands as a warning to us. So why? Why would anyone say no to the invitation that comes through Jesus? Well, notice, first of all, in in these excuses, in verses 18 to 20, they are legitimate. These are legitimate excuses. I mean, isn't it sensible to say no to a party in order to take care of your responsibilities with family, work, and property? These people are being responsible, moral, upright adults. Isn't that, parents, what you would want for your kids, for them to say no to the party in order to take care of their responsibilities? And even more, there's an echo here of Deuteronomy chapter 20 in the Old Testament. And in Deuteronomy chapter 20, God gives his people excuses for not going to war. So all the males of a certain age within the nation of Israel were expected to fight in the army. Unless, God says, they had new property or a new wife. And then they were excused from going off to war. So these are legitimate excuses. These people reject the invitation because they have better things to do. And therein lies the problem, right? That's the problem. You see, these are legitimate excuses for not going to war, but they are not legitimate excuses for rejecting the invitation of Jesus. The problem with this rejection, with these excuses, is that they replace the invitation with these activities of taking care of property and taking care of family. Why is this a problem? Why is it a problem to value responsibilities over the invitation of Jesus? Why is that a problem? Well, think a little bit more about what this feast means, what this dinner party means that Jesus tells this story about. As I said, we were made to belong to God. We were made to sit at his table. But the story of Scripture tells us that we have been distanced from that table. Because of sin. Because we have rejected God, because we have rebelled against Him, rather than being in His house, we are far from His house and far from the life that comes from belonging to Him. So understand that Jesus, when He tells a story about the possibility of sitting down at this table, He is saying to us, Your shame will be overcome, and you will be welcomed to God's table, which means that you find in God the place of deepest acceptance, deepest significance, deepest belonging, and deepest purpose. Now think about this. Where else do we look for acceptance, belonging, significance, and purpose? Family? Work? possessions. You see, Jesus is not saying that there's something wrong with having a family. 
That there's something wrong with having possessions. That there is something wrong with caring about your work. It is not that those things are bad. The problem comes when we try to get from those things what we can only get from Jesus. The problem comes when we try to take from family, from possessions, from work, the acceptance, belonging, meaning, and purpose that only Jesus can give. The problem comes when we try to get from those things what can only be given through Jesus. It's why Jesus goes on in this chapter, if you go past verse 24, it's why he goes on and says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to hate your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Provocative statement, communicating that nothing can compete with the invitation of Jesus. Nothing can give us the belonging, acceptance, meaning, and purpose that we find in Him. And so He says, you must come to Me and you must give Me your highest loyalty. You must find in Me your deepest identity. And you must receive from Me your ultimate Now, I have gone and said something offensive, particularly in our culture, right? Because in our culture, we are attracted to spirituality, but we want our spirituality to be mix and match. Okay, we want to come to the Christian faith and we want to say, I want these parts, but then I want to keep these other parts, these other elements of my life intact. And I want to pull from this other faith tradition. We like our spirituality to be mixed and match, and I understand that desire. That's attractive to me, too. We all love to have options. But understand, if we are going to take the claims of Jesus seriously, we have to know that if he can't demand our life, then he can't change our life. If he is not worthy of everything, then he is worthy of nothing. That's the line that Jesus draws in his ministry. He puts out the invitation to God's table, and he says, if you will come, if you want to come and follow me, then you have to be willing to lose everything. What in your life competes with the invitation of Jesus. Where do you go for that deep sense of belonging, acceptance, meaning, and purpose? We say no to the invitation of Jesus when we are unwilling to turn from those things and find life in Him. Now, given the difficulty of that, the question becomes not, why would anyone say no to Jesus' invitation? The question becomes, who can say yes? 
Who can say yes to this high and demanding calling that Jesus places on our lives if we are going to belong to Him, if we are going to follow Him? Who can say yes to that? And a little bit of cultural background will help us to understand who says yes in these parables. So, central to ancient Roman culture was what scholars call the patronage system. And the patronage system was basically a network of relationships where those who had lower cultural and economic status would try to offer things to those with higher economic and cultural status to give them a leg up to give them a hand up the ladder. And it's basically a network of quid pro quo relationships. It is what can I give you in order to convince you to help me out? How can I get the person one rung up on the ladder to give me a hand up? And central to that system were dinner parties. Because if you're on the lower rung, you, you don't have enough financial resources, to buy that person off. What can you offer them? Not money, but honor. You can offer them honor. How do you do that? Well, you throw a dinner party. And you very strategically invite certain people. And you strategically place those people at the table. Because, for this culture, the closer you were to the host, the higher you were in status, the more honor you were given. And so those with lower status tried to get those with higher status to help them by giving them the honor of being seated close to the host at the table. Now with that in mind, think about what Jesus does here in Luke 14. Jesus is at a dinner party telling a story about a dinner party. And he completely upends this social system. He says, don't go to parties that way. Don't throw parties that way. Why? Because of God's party. Because of God's banquet. Because of the way that God welcomes people into his house. You see, when God throws a party, he doesn't throw the party based on the patronage system. He sends out an invitation That in order to respond to that invitation, you must drop everything and bring nothing. So who says yes? It's the people with no social, cultural, economic capital. It is the people who have nothing to bring to the table except their empty stomachs. It is the outcasts. It is the poor. It is the homeless. It's the people outside of the system. That's who says yes to Jesus' invitation. And we will say yes to his invitation when we can see ourselves that way. I think I've told you before about Mrs. Edwards. Uh, Mrs. Edwards was a longtime member of the church where I grew up, the church where my dad is still a pastor. And Mrs. Edwards loved 
to feed the pastor and his family. And she was really good at it. All right? Classic, amazing southern cook. And I can vividly remember, it just shows you my value system, I can vividly remember the phone calls when she would invite us over to her house, uh, not for dinner, but for supper. And those phone calls, those phone conversations always ended the same way. My dad would say, Mrs. Edwards, what can we bring? And she would say, nothing. Just come hungry. That is God's invitation to us through Jesus. He invites us to find forgiveness, to find life, a life that begins now and a life that we will know fully in the future resurrection. He says, come to my table. And we say, what can we bring? And he says, nothing. Just come hungry. The way that we will say yes to the invitation of Jesus is to know the depth of our need. To know how great our hunger is. And to realize that we can't feed ourselves. Listen, don't buy the illusion that you can feed your hunger for belonging, for significance, for meaning, for purpose, don't buy the illusion that you can feed yourself with family, money, pleasure, work, school accomplishments. If we're going to say yes to Jesus, if we're going to be fed at God's table, we have to know our hunger and we have to know our inability to feed ourselves. We must come with that hunger to Him. We have to come with that hunger to the one who became homeless in order to host us at God's home. We have to come to the one who became hungry and thirsty in order to eternally feed us and give us living water. We have to come to the one who at the cross was rejected even by his father in order to welcome us into his kingdom, in order to welcome us as sons and daughters in the family of God. We must know the greatness of our need and we must turn with that need to the even greater provision that God has given to us in his son Jesus. I don't know if you have paid attention uh, to the World Cup, but uh, if you have, maybe you've noticed uh, some of the weird names that show up on the backs of jerseys. <coughs> and so Honduras has a player named Costly. Uh, Italy, has a pl- Italy has a player that in the, in the English pronunciation is immobile. Uh, the Dutch have a player named Blind, and it means blind in Dutch as well as English. And the Germans have a player uh, whose last name is Lahm, L-A-H-M, and in German it means lame. We smile at that. We find that strange because you don't expect to find those names on a field with world-class athletes, right? Costly and mobile, blind and lame. That is, that's the humor of the gospel. That is the glorious humor of the gospel. That names 
that shouldn't belong on God's guest list. My name, your name. Those names are there because of what Jesus has done. Because he spread wide his arms on the cross in order to welcome us to God's table. God is throwing a party. You are wanted. How will you respond? Let's pray.